Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you'd like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure i will talk about it so that i don't have to see it again or whatever so in a way our, our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine we wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap we had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I am joined by Unmutual. How you doing, Unmutual? I'm doing pretty good. It's good to have you back. Last time you were on, we talked about Brazil, mm-hmm. and that was a it was a pretty fun movie. It's a wild ride, to say the least. I I haven't gone back and really watched it or anything. I I fully intended to. I don't know. Have you have you thought any more about Brazil? I'm just curious because I know that that was the last time you were on. So, and we'd mentioned maybe we would watch it again at some point. Yeah, I haven't rewatched it, but I will at some point. I figured it's been so soon since since that happened, so I uh, figured I'd ask. But uh, we are not here to talk about Brazil. We're here to talk about another movie. And before we get into that, I did have just a general question that I wanted to throw out to you to get an idea of kind of where your head is at when it comes to movies. Now, I know you are very much into a lot of these sort of like weird cryptic out there films and i know i am too in a certain way maybe we're not in exactly the same circles but we have a lot of overlap so i wanted to ask you a question that's not related to that at all so what what is your favorite normie comfort pick movie and you can define this in any way you want i just wanted to like know if there was something that you're like oh no this is like a super normal like mainstream movie and i just love the heck out of it I don't know. Well, what, what do you what you got? Normie. The first thing I thought of was uh, the mummy. I've seen that like a million times. The Brendan Fraser. Uh, so I guess that's normie movie. Oh yeah, I would yeah classify that as a normie. I love that movie. I've seen it so many times. Nice. Is there any particular reason why you go back to that one? I don't know. I guess just it's a fun, just a fun adventure movie. There's not that many anymore so yeah and i grew up with it so i guess there's that nostalgia for it yeah there's a big nostalgia factor i so i i have a couple here and i'll I'll give you those so my my big ones are probably going to be in a similar vein it's going to be in that action adventure sort of like mainstream big blockbuster genre probably i would say the one that comes to mind first is more than likely indiana jones any of the three movies that is uh 
specifically Temple of Doom is probably my go-to of those three. Um, but that one is kind of weird for, for those. Mm-hmm. And then I would say probably after that, I mean, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is always a, I almost hate to call it a normie movie, but like, it really is a normie <laughs> movie. Yeah, definitely Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then my last one that I have here that I that I had thought about was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. It's it's just a fun swashbuckling film. Like, you know, all of the actors in it, like it's it's over the top. It's cheesy. Johnny Depp is just his Johnny Deppiest. And like, you know, you've got Orlando Bloom off of Lord of the Rings. And, you know, he's sort of the, the big star of the day. And you've got Kira Knightley, who's big. And like, you've just got a whole great supporting cast like Jeffrey Rush. It's a fun, it's a fun flick. And I think the, you know, every time I see it, there's something else that sort of like stands out as like, oh, this is just a really fun movie. It's got a lot going for it, I think. And so any of those movies? Oh, you haven't seen any of them? No, it's been a long time. Oh, okay. I see, I see. I I was I was about to be really surprised that you haven't seen any of them. I'm no. like, not even the first one? Yeah. Although we are on the movies we've never seen podcast, so That's I'm true. not one to judge at all. <laughs> yeah. That one would honestly, if someone said that they had just I, I know a mutual of ours on the timeline had just said they watched The Lord of the Rings for the first time and I was about to be like, You what? And then I'm like, No, no, I shouldn't <laughs> say anything because here I have a whole podcast dedicated to that very thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did. I did want to say because I'm not sure what you really categorize as a normie movie, and and I had actually put it out there. So I have a um, a little telegram that some of my IRL homies are in, and I put it to them. I said, and I, and I'm just reading some of these for the first time, but I said, what are films that you guys would classify as normie movies? And I kind of want to I want to read through this real fast because I think some of it's kind of funny and it, it devolved pretty quickly. <laughs> so the first response was from frequent guest dan he says star wars the godfather harry potter oh ghostbusters and spider-man as well and i think those are all pretty you know solid normie movies i mean i would almost argue to say that of the first three harry potter is really the only normie movie because star wars and the godfather were kind of like they weren't supposed to be big hits and then they kind of got propelled i don't know harry potter was like no, we're making this for the fans, and it's going to be a normie film. Yeah, it's definitely normie now, even if it wasn't way back then. Yeah, exactly. I would say that they're all at least normie films now. And then Patrick, who has also been on this podcast, he says, depends on the age of the person. Kids, Disney, or Pixar. Teens, I don't know anymore. It used to be like 10 things I hate about you. These days, maybe monster romance flicks. I'm not 100% sure where he's going with this. Full, full disclosure, I'm like, wait, <laughs> do teens watch 10 Things I Hate About You? Is that like a teen movie? Uh, wasn't it from like the early no- or mid-90s? I, I don't even know. I don't know. I've, I've never seen it. So I know it has Heath Ledger in it, so that was in his heyday. Oh, yeah. I guess like, um, you know, stuff like, I don't know, like A Knight's Tale. That would be more like a, a teen movie. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then he goes on. He goes on to say, though, middle-aged people, it's Judd Apatow films. And then he says, Marvel, I guess, is all ages. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like those are pretty normy as as you can get nowadays. I think. Mm-hmm. Then Michael, also a frequent guest of the show, says, 
Avatar, blue people movie, not so to confuse uh, this with the modern masterpiece. Any Disney movie made post uh, 2000, Jurassic Park series, literally any superhero movie, no offense meant, just a factual statement. Honestly, anything with a wide release that you know when it's coming out and didn't have to find the trailer on YouTube, which is a pretty good point. Mm. I think there's a, a lot to be said for that. That was a, a good metric. You don't, you just see the trailer everywhere. Yeah, that, that's like a really good point that he made. And I'm like, yeah, that's that actually makes a lot of sense. And he, he says, in addition to that, he says, anything that Tim Burton has done, which I kind of was almost against initially, but then I'm like, no, no, Tim Burton's super normie. I don't know. I mean, he is. I don't think I would consider him normie, but a lot of people like him anyway. He wouldn't have been my first choice, but I don't know a lot of people who just dislike Tim Burton films, like in general. Like they're like, oh yeah, I like Tim Burton films. They're kind of weird, but they're fun. Like no one really, and like Tim Burton films are usually like you know fairly out there in the in the zeitgeist. So I would say that. I think maybe. A lot of people like Tim Burton movies, but maybe the people that favorite things, those aren't normie people. I don't know. That may be completely wrong. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, I kind of tend to agree with him, but it's more of a gut thing than a, no, he's absolutely right. Mm. So Patrick then responds, uh, uh, Jaws. Jaws is the only normie movie. And then in all caps, <laughs> every other movie is art house. Wow. Well, I was going to say, I've never actually seen Jaws, so. <laughs> I've seen Jaws, but it's been a while. Like, honestly, I I don't know. I don't really have a very big, you know, fondness for Jaws. Like, I thought it was okay, but I had seen it after Jurassic Park. And I think it Jurassic Park had done what I think Jaws had originally done, which was, like, it's supposed to be a fun blockbuster monster movie. Mm -hmm. but also that scares the crap out of you. And I'm like, oh, no, this doesn't scare me because I know I can't swim. I'm never going in the water, so why would this scare me? But dinosaurs, yes, those scare me because they could be in my backyard right the fuck now. <laughs> That's true. You never know. That's You never know. Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, at this point, an overgrown chicken, that could just be a velociraptor. You don't know. Yeah, but but here's the part I wanted to read because I thought you would you would appreciate this or at least you would have take offense to this potentially. He says, "Oh wait, actually, A24 movies are for normies, but normies who think they are not normies." <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. I still love a lot of A24 movies. I do too. Whatever. I I just um he <laughs> He actually is one of those people who's a very much a reactionary person. Uh, and I'm, I'm calling yeah. him out here because he's probably never <laughs> going to listen to this episode. So, you know, whatever. But he's a very much of the uh, like the person who is like, you know, I like all of the old nostalgia things that I grew up with and everyone liking new things is weird to me sort of mm -hmm. person. Um, so he kind of goes hard in the paint in the like, no, I'm going to be contrarian sort of thing. So that that's his that's his his take on A24. Um, I will read a, just a, a little bit more here. I don't want to get us bogged down in this because I think it goes to a nice, funny conclusion uh, to where the, the chat stopped. But Michael responds to the A24 movies are for normies. He said, I was almost insulted by this, but then I remembered my initial response to the question was 90% of the movies I enjoy are normie films. And then he says, including Pig. 
pig is for normies because Nicolas Cage is for normies. To which I respond, I can co-sign that. Patrick yeah. responds, given, given Cage has admitted why he's in so many movies is because he needs the money, he's basically a wage cuck. <laughs> to which I respond in quotes, he's just like me. <laughs> and then my friend Alex, who's also been on the show, says, yeah, except he uses the money to buy dope-ass shit like snakes and haunted mansions. And that's where the chat ends. And I'm like, well, <sighs> he's not just like me because I don't have snakes and haunted mansions so one day that it just it just left me yeah one day one day i'll be there but i just wanted to go through that because i thought you know the normie movies aside we're not really going to be talking about anything that's at all a normie movie so i wanted to really contrast normie movies versus what we're talking about today because <laughs> uh i guess if you're ready i'll read you a summary for the movie that we're going to talk about i'm ready cool a young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently malicious monsters on a small town. It's Demons from 1985, directed by Lamberto Bava, written by Dario Argento. So that's why I thought this was an Argento movie. Yeah, so you, you were the one who brought this to my attention. I really hadn't, like, put this on my radar at all. But when you sent me sort of like the list of movies that like, hey, we should talk about these. This one, the poster, I'm like, oh, it's an Argento movie because it's got his name way out there on the front of the poster. <laughs> and no, it's actually written by Dario Argento, but it's Dario Argento part presents. Like it's got his name in big letters. His mm -hmm. are the second biggest le like lettering on the entire poster. Then it's the title, which is Dimoni, which is, I guess, demons, the plural in Italian. And then it's, Un film di Lamberto Bava, who is actually the son of Mario Bava, the director of Blood and Black Lace. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know uh, what this movie really is about. Uh, I know that there's maybe like supposed to be like some sort of like people are in a movie theater and there are like things that are trying to attack them. That's really all I know. So it might be a little bit meta and it may or may not be a giallo. It's from 1985 and I, I don't really know anything about this because I'd seen the poster around, right? Mm -hmm. But I'd never really heard anything about this movie until now. It seems like it kind of has a cult following. I don't know. Do you know anything about this movie in general? Like random tidbits or any anecdotes? Uh, no, I know nothing about it. I just saw the poster and was like, oh, yeah, that looks good. <laughs> cool. Because I think that maybe you and I'm I'm probably still under the impression that more than likely if it's Mario Bava's Son, written by Dario Argento. It's probably at least somewhat a giallo. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know, what, what are your experiences with giallos? Because I've been in a giallo kick recently. Uh, I haven't seen a ton, but I like them. They're, I don't know, something fun about the campiness and the weirdness and uh, the whole style of them that I really like. I, I like that you said campiness because I think there's a lot of dissension in the film sphere about what a giallo is. Cause if you just kind of look it up online, like, Oh, what's a giallo? I heard these people throwing this term around. There's like, for as many people that use it, there's that many definitions, but they all have a little bit of overlap and they all do have a little bit of that seventies camp. But I do like the fact that they take themselves much more seriously for some reason. I don't know why that makes a difference. But I feel like because it's a foreign film and it has other tropes in it, it doesn't, it feels way fresher to me than like 
oh yeah this is just sort of like 70s and 80s like american camp you know like uh, i'm trying to think of something that's like super campy um well i guess technically the movie that i had ripped off the summary from gremlins from 1984 it feels like it could be gremlins but it feels like it's probably taking itself much more seriously you know you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. yeah probably yeah i like that it can be campy but i also like that no it actually is kind of a serious movie with like you know serious themes and kills i mean it's it's more unique than like a standard mystery it's very voyeuristic um i i think the most recent one i watched and i i re-watched this one actually um i re-watched argento's bird with a crystal plumage have you ever seen that one yeah that one that one's a fun one i i definitely like that it's got a very good sort of like murder mystery to it but it also has like this just feel to it that's just weird you know it's it's out there it doesn't feel like anything that is in the american cinema space i guess mm -hmm. i'll say yeah I, when you were talking about the seriousness like i can't think of there ever being much comedy in giallos even though some of the things in them are kind of com comedic I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of anything and the ones that popped to my head i mean the ones i've seen most recently again are going to be crystal plumage probably the um probably suspiria because i watched that not that long ago the original and then also um blood and black lace and then i think i saw what was the other one that i watched recently i i don't remember now it was a um it was another argento but i can't remember the name of it now um oh and i also watched a oh deep red that's the other one there's not a lot i can't think of any moments that were actually kind of funny to me other than like the unintentionally funny mm -hmm. But, like, you can tell they're trying to take themselves seriously in those moments. It's just because it's kind of dated, honestly, more than anything. Mm -hmm. I guess if I'm looking at that the right way. Because I'm, like I said, there might be some jokes that I'm not Italian enough to get, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than those where I'm just like, I just don't get it because of the culture. Yeah, they seem to be fairly serious, like, slasher murder mystery movies. So, and I, I love them for it, honestly. Like, I'm I'm... They're not my favorite genre, but as far as, like, foreign film movements go, like, they're definitely on my top, like, echelon of, like, yes, this is this is a fun genre to be in and watch. Mm -hmm. They also have kind of a, um, a low-budget charm about them. Yes. Yes, they do. Like, the, the special effects, I always think it's so funny how they'll, like, go super close in on gore, but it looks terrible, but there's, like, something so great about it. Like the the blood is always like bright, bright red and looks nothing like blood, but I don't know. There's something fun about it. Yeah, there's an absolute charm to that sort of like low budget, like gore that they do, especially like where it's like this is literally just a bucket of red paint that you <laughs> bought at like your local hardware store and you didn't even try to like, you know, put dyes into corn syrup or anything like that, mm -hmm. you know, like, like is the normal thing. Like, no, no, it's like no corn syrup. I feel like that's a very like, I feel like it's like an Italian thing, right? Where it's like, no, this is corn syrup. It is for cooking. It's not the for <laughs> of the special effect, uh, you know. And, and it's a food, not an effect. And so they, <laughs> and so they're like, no, we have to do it with paint. We have to do it with this stupid-looking thing that doesn't look anything like blood, but it's blood because people will know, you know. Like if we waste food, a bunch of Italian mothers are going to like hit us over the back of the head with their like, you know, newspaper or whatever the Italians <laughs> do, right? The mob might come after you. That you know, that's true. They could. I was gonna say like, no, hit them over the head with a sandal, but that's the the Mexican mothers. <laughs> I'm getting my stereotypes all discombobulated. Mm. 
but yeah, there is a there is a nice charm to it. Like, I mean, even in like um, Mario Bava's uh, Blood and Black Lace, which I did on the show, you guys can go back and listen to that episode if you like. One of the trivia questions was like, you know, hey, like he he had such a low budget on this, like what did he use for like you know the sort of the tracking like in and out shots, and it was like his son's radio flyer wagon. <laughs> like it really just does have this like super low budget charm that like some movies like uh i don't know the original what was it uh no i wanted to say the original cabin in the woods but the original um oh god what is the movie i'm thinking of daggone it wasn't that it was some movie about a cabin in the woods but it wasn't cabin in the woods oh uh um, not the evil dead the other one that came out after the evil oh, dead okay. yeah no no well, well actually i will i will add the original evil dead to this list because the original evil dead was extremely low budget <laughs> now that i'm thinking mm -hmm. of it no it was a, it was a later film and i can't remember what it was now but um uh, i'm gonna kick myself for not remembering mike never did remember what movie he was thinking of but you dear audience don't have to be left in the dark Mike was actually thinking about Cabin Fever from 2002, directed by Eli Roth, starring Jordan Ladd, Ryder Strong, and James Bellow. Uh, yeah, the original Evil Dead sort of had that charm too, right? Where it was just super low budget, but it was like really fun. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that everyone was having just a good time on the set. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to talk about about giallos in general? Or do you want to like do some trivia and then we'll see where this goes? Uh, I don't think so. I just... They're always a fun time, even if they're really bad. It'll be fun. Yeah, I think that that's definitely a, a charm of these movies. At the very least, we'll have fun. So um, question number one. In Thailand, this film was released under what title? Was it A, Demons 2, Salt is the Only Cure for the Wound, B, Open Hell, through the streets to eat people, or C, demon parasite, burn the world, or burn in hell. Wow. <laughs> Those are some great names. Uh, I think I'm going to go with B. That one sounded the best to me. B, open hell, through the streets to eat people. Yeah. You are correct. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was open hell, through the streets to eat people. That was the Thai title for the release of this film so apparently and i don't i i tried to look i tried to look without having any spoilers for me so there might be an answer out here that includes spoilers but in the majority of countries and it seems like about half of them so like germany was one france was one england was one um there were a bunch of other like asian countries that they released this in some african countries like south america it was released as demons too and there's no reason for it because this movie is just called Demons. And it doesn't seem, I don't think it's actually a sequel. I, do, do you know if it's a sequel? I, have, I don't know. No. I mean, I wonder if it's like a loose sequel. Because, like the Suspirias and um, what's the, what are the other two? Um, uh, Tenebrae and Inferno. They're a, kind of a loose trilogy like a loosely linked to something else. yeah yeah they they are sort of a loose trilogy and i think actually suspiria if i recall it might have actually been released under a different name as well where it was released as either that was released as a sequel or one of the others that argento did 
after Suspiria was released as a sequel to Suspiria. Like it was like whatever he did after Suspiria because Suspiria was so popular in Japan. In Japan, they released his next film as Suspiria 2 or something like that, where it's like, and no, we're going to capitalize off of the name of this film and the name of this like director because people liked it. So we're just going to name it something that's completely not related. <laughs> I, you know what? I, that's sort of a pet peeve of mine. I really hate when they rename something to target an audience for ticket sales so the, have you ever seen the movie um and in the u.s it was released as the boat that rocked uh it was starring i think it was nick frost and then god i can't remember who else was in it but it was um sort of a, a slight comedy drama about a dude on a boat and i think it's like a, a kid who gets on a boat on this pirate radio ship and in, in the uk where it was released it was called pirate radio which is a much infinitely better title than The Boat That Rocked because The Boat That Rocked is like, no, that's kind of a dumb title. Like, it's it's sort of, I don't know. I don't like it. And then there's others um, I can't think of off the top of my head where I've been, like, really peeved by it, where it's like, no, just just do the translation. Just actually, or leave it, because it's in English. Like, you don't have to translate it. You can just call it what it is. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any of those movies that are like that where you're just like, no, that's stupid? I can't really think of any. Um, off the top of my head, I do. I, I usually like the using the original titles if it's a foreign language film. I don't know; it just sounds cooler and probably kind of pretentious, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I I like it. Well, I mean, as as direct as a translation as you can get, honestly, is what I'm like, especially for like a foreign language film. Um, I do like that where it's like, no, I if you can get a direct translation, that's the best. But like. Where especially the the thing that makes me annoyed is when they have like an English language film that's like made in like Britain or someplace or Canada or some or or wherever, wherever they also speak English and make movies that they just, all right, no, we're going to change the title for the U.S. because the U.S. audiences are idiots, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) And, you know, we now we have to create confusion about, oh, no, did you see this movie? No, I saw this movie. Oh, wait, they're the same exact damn movie. They're just different titles. I don't know. It's it just makes me irrationally mad. So, um, but this one, yeah, it was it was marketed in a lot of the world as Demons Two, and I'm kind of curious to see if this has like any sort of like strong sequel vibes. Like, I don't know if it will or not. I'm I'm assuming it doesn't. I don't know. Well, I'll be interested about that after watching it, so there's no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely avoided spoilers for any of the trivia so um that way we we didn't like get spoiled for this so uh i'll I'll go ahead and give you the the second question here you're you're already you're doing good so uh you're one for one here question number two the exterior of the theater in the film is a club in berlin called goya notably this club has also hosted what is it a bdsm conventions b gaming conventions or c horror conventions i want to say c just because that sounds fun i mean berlin's kind of creepy to me anyway so but it's probably a (laughs) Um, i was gonna say it's it's also (laughs) berlin both of those things could be completely accurate honestly the I'll just throw it out here. The the one that's the weakest of, of the of the answers is the gaming conventions because I'm convinced that like Germans don't know what like games are because they're a very serious people. <laughs> Probably not. They're a very serious industrious lot. Yeah. Um 
Uh, I guess A. <laughs> You'll go A. Uh, yeah. Well, you are wrong. It, your gut <sighs> is correct. It was the horror conventions. And apparently, so this is the this is the reason. So because this movie was filmed there for a, a, a great amount of it, a lot of fans of the of the movie had actually started renting it out for conventions. So they apparently this has a cult following um, that mm -hmm. is big enough so that it has spawned like at least conventions that are at the same place where this movie was filmed. So that's that bodes well for this, I think. Yeah, I think that would be good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like I said, I, I, I mean, I live in, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. So like, I don't really have like any sort of like strong ties to any sort of like, oh, historical sites or any of these like notable places where it's like these people did X, Y or Z other than like maybe s like slight historical events from wars, yeah. uh, you know, or like native like cultural things. Um, so like when, when you have like places in like, oh no, this place was, this place was famous in Germany because they filmed this movie from this famous Italian director. Yeah. And then, you know, they're like, oh, we will have a horror convention here. Yes. And so they like, they're like, oh, we have these cool things here. Cause everything is just like everywhere right here. You know, we don't have that in the U S really, because you know, our history only goes back like a couple hundred years and most everything is filmed on like a sound stage or like out in the American West. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, good luck finding that location. It's like, you know, 2,000 miles in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, find the exact rock that was in this movie. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, all right. Let's let's see if you can, if you can uh, get the best of, of three here and get this last one right. So question number three. Director Lamberto Bava has cited this as what of his own films is it a his most disappointing film b his personal favorite film or c his most unmemorable film because he was doing cocaine for the majority of the time while filming oh man uh i hope it's not his most disappointing film because that'll be a bummer um <laughs> I have no idea because I don't I don't remember what else he directed either. Um, uh, so I can here. You know what? While 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 you're thinking about that, I will I will uh, let you know. So it looks like he did in 1984. He did a movie called Devilfish uh, or Shark. He did a movie in 1992 called Body Puzzle. He also did a movie called, oh, D maybe this is actually a spoiler, but Demons 2 <laughs> in 1986. Um, I wonder if that's be... marketed as Demons 3. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that would be really confusing for the people who already saw Demons 2. God, I'm I'm already confused, dude. Demons 2, 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's his favorite, hopefully, because... It seems to be his most famous Well, you are correct because it was his personal favorite okay. of all the films that he has directed. And I guess to also give you a little bit of other um, insight here. So he, after like, let's see, 1995 for the most part, actually really 19, eh, no, he did a few. Oh, he did a couple other movies. He did a movie called in 1990 called The Mask of Satan. 
Uh, let's see. And then he did pretty much after that, he has done almost exclusively TV movies, TV miniseries, um, which are all like Italian pretty much. And then he did in 2005 a movie called The Torturer and in 2007 a movie called Ghost Son. I have not heard of any of these. No. He's apparently in pre-production for a movie called Twins. So no, no information on that as of right now. So it doesn't even have a release date. Well, at least we picked his favorite then. Yeah, yeah. We're starting at the top and then <laughs> we can work our way back down. Also, this... so. This movie, apparently, not this movie, but his movie, um, his movie, uh, Shark. Wait, hold on. What was the actual title of, of this movie now? Uh, I'm, I'm all discombobulated. Oh, Devilfish. Yeah, Demon, Devilfish. Demonfish? So apparently Devilfish Devil shows up <laughs> on a couple lists where the list is just called uh, favorite shark movies that are not Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Maybe that's you should the just best watch, watch that. And you don't have to watch Jaws. <laughs> yeah. Probably better anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I would say you should watch Jaws, but honestly, like, I think Jurassic Park is a better film, so, like, why watch Jurassic Park when... Or why watch Jaws when you can watch Jurassic Park? That's my thought on it, but whatever. What do I know? I've... Yeah. I've barely seen any movies, so... <laughs> as I'm as I'm finding <laughs> out here, I've got literally a list of, like, 350 movies on a spreadsheet, so I'm... Uh, a, uh, a, a quite a uh, uh, w w what's the best word erudite when it comes to that is that the word maybe not I don't know how do words but anyway so we're we're watching a, allegedly Lamberto Bava's and I can't, I keep wanting to call him Luigi for some reason <laughs> and then I also want to call him like uh, Leonardo and then I'm like is that racist no nah, you can't really be racist against Italians so I'll just call him a Luigi Bava because it sounds better. It goes it goes off the tongue more. Um, but apparently we're watching his favorite film. Mm -hmm. It's apparently kind of a cult flick. Um, and it's allegedly maybe a prequel and a sequel. I, t I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's going to be some weird uh, uh, thriller mind games kind of movie. Maybe. He seems to like, based on just his, and, and I'm just going to throw it out there, based on just the titles of the movies that he does, he seems to like to do sort of, I guess, either demonic or monster movies, you know, stuff like that, um, slightly mm -hmm. like satanic-y films bordering on that sort of side of horror more like maybe the omen or suspiria versus like a, a true giallo where it's like you know a masked killer with the black gloves sort of thing so i i think this is maybe going to stray more into that into that world um but i'm wondering like how much of a crossover there really is going to be um what i guess maybe i'll ask you what are your thoughts on that? And what does this movie have to do for it to really, for you to really like sink your teeth in and like it? Just be fun. I don't, if it is a Giallo, then it should, should be a good time. Um, I mean, the acting's usually not very good, so you can't really depend on that. Um, and the, the audio is always like unsynced in a lot of Giallos, which I have no idea why they do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a digital copy of Suspiria mm -hmm. and I was watching it. I had actually, it defaulted to being in the original Italian 
And one of my buddies, Patrick, who I mentioned before, he's like, why in the hell were you watching it in Italian? You know it's in English, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, I know. And essentially, um, or at least it was in the dub of Italian, because I think it's originally in English, and they actually dubbed it in Italian. I think that that's the case. I'm not 100% certain here. I think it's actually that way. But I was watching it in not the original, but the dubbed Italian, mm-hmm. and because it defaulted that way. And I actually like went back and I started watching it in English again. And it's actually awful. <laughs> I would rather watch it <laughs> subtitled in Italian <laughs> than in, in the original English. Yeah, usually that bothers me so much when the audio is off from like the the way people's lips are moving. But I don't know. I guess you get past it with the other. Yeah, it's like, um. I mean, I don't know if you're a big fan at all of like the old style, like... um like 19 like from the 70s like kung fu films of that day you know like um uh you know the uh i'm trying to think i've seen so many of them but i honestly don't know which ones i've seen because um i think i've told the story before but we used to have a tv show here back in like when i was a kid uh on like just broadcast networks on sat or friday night it was called friday night foo and it was this dude who before they really had any strict laws on sort of like licensing and stuff he would literally just have like vhs copies of these old kung fu movies and he would broadcast them on tv like after midnight and so me and my dad would stay up and watch them all the time and they were atrociously like badly dubbed but it was so funny it added to the charm so much because like they would their lips would be moving wet like for at least like 10 seconds after the dialogue had stopped and it was in in some extreme cases and it was great (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There's there's something about some movies where they they just go so far bad they're good again. And yeah, a lot of Yeah. I I feel like giallos are actually not quite in that spot of the they have to they go yeah. way far past being bad they're good. I think that there is actually a line in a giallo because giallos are meant to be more serious where if they are actually kind of too cheesy and campy and bad then they're actually probably bad but they're kind of entertaining at least. Yeah. Like they're not necessarily like good as far as movies, but they're entertaining, right? They're like a fun thing to sit through. Like you don't feel bad after having sat through them, right? Yeah. Well, I guess I'd say a different way. They do a lot of things that annoy me in other movies, but because they're, I don't know, I guess the fun campiness, it doesn't bother me in that kind of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying there. Yeah, I think I think that they, they do have that element of them. I think it's maybe just because of the age of the films. Mm-hmm. Also, in general, too, and I don't I don't know why this is, but I feel like and maybe it's just because we get the like the like the older restoration or we get the restorations of these older films far sooner. But I feel like the giallos of like the late 60s and early 70s, I mean, this is obviously 1985 and it's allegedly maybe not a giallo. It might be just a straight up like demon possession film. Don't know. But I feel like they actually look better, weirdly enough, even though there's such a low budget essence to them, they feel better and less dated for some reason than some of the comparable movies of the day. Like, if you go back and look at, um, I feel like Bird with the Crystal Plumage versus like, um, or even Blood and Black Lace versus, uh, what is it, uh, Rosemary's Baby, Roman Polanski's, for some reason, and I don't know why this is, I feel like Blood and Black Lace looks better. 
to me and i don't know maybe I, it's just i haven't seen like an actual like blu-ray updated re- restored copy of rosemary's baby because it's garbage and i'm never gonna watch that movie again but <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like the copy that i got of of blood and black lace which is a pretty i think it was like it wasn't like it was blu-ray but it was like it was still a little grainy it was good enough that i'm like oh this is actually impressive i don't know do you, do you ever feel that way about any of these movies i just is that just me or um... my my crazy I don't know if I would say they look better, but I like the grainy quality that's in older movies. There's just, I don't know, maybe it's um, growing up in the 90s, but like seeing grain and um, there's also something, I don't know if it's specifically like the foreign 70s movies, but the way the camera moves, I don't know, there's just something really interesting about it. And I think a lot of movies at that time weren't really doing things like that it seems like a lot more they were getting into the handheld um and that um there's something more interesting about the way the camera moves and the shots they take you know i've never really thought about that um i did i think one of the directors and i didn't necessarily like the movie that much but the texas chainsaw massacre uh, by toby hooper mm-hmm. i did like a lot of his camera work in that he did do a lot of like really yeah. good tracking. Like I think his camera work in that movie is the best thing about that movie, to be honest. Other than maybe the ending, the ending's actually <laughs> kind of cool. Like it, it's a very well shot ending. I don't like sort of the ride getting there. I feel like it's kind of like boring and overwrought. But anyway, I love the camera work that Hooper does in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you can see influences of that in like a lot of modern directors. I think the problem with it is is the movies that I grew up on were not necessarily grainy per se. Not I didn't really grow up on a lot of like sixties and seventies and even a lot of eighties movies, unless they were like the George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, like we're using the like we're creating basically like genres and defining what cinema is people where they're like, no, this is like cool, crystal clear sort of like nice looking crisp stuff and then even back into the day of like you know the 1940s and 50s the black and white sort of like comedies slapsticks uh, screwball comedies where they really didn't have to have a lot of like it was very clear i think mostly because it wasn't in technicolor i think the technicolor once technicolor hit that actually like made a lot of like the film quality go down because people were like no we have to have technicolor so it looks kind of crappy I don't know if that was actually a, a an effect of Technicolor or if it was just like now sloppy filmmaking because in the 60s everybody was like smoking dope and high. I don't know. It, it just feels that way. Um, and maybe it was the genres too that I grew up with. Again, like it was a lot of sci-fi action adventure and I didn't really get into horror until, you know, like the early 2000s, which was like 28 days later, which was like, you know, I mean, that's that's a pristine visual look. Like there's a there's a certain cleanliness to it. And I, I tend to like that more. So the graininess to me doesn't really stand out. I don't really necessarily know what I feel about that. Maybe I can look at this and see if there's any anything like that. Or maybe I can look for the camera work in this. I mean, this is 85, so I don't know how much is actually there of that. I don't know. But you bring up a good point. I do, I do kind of need to look at like the camera work that all these people are doing, especially in these like maybe lower budget films, the horror films that I see and see what really is going on there. Cause there is a distinct difference between like forties and fifties camera work to sixties, seventies, even eighties camera work. And then eighties mm-hmm. to like 
2000. And then after 2000, I feel like it all kind of feels relatively the same. But then every once in a while, people bring out like different camera tricks here and there because technology, you know, I don't know. That, that's kind of how I break it down. I don't know. Does it? I don't know. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. But that's sort of where I kind of draw the lines at. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. For me, though, this movie, I think I'm thinking this movie is going to be more of a less of a giallo and more of a I think it's actually going to be closer to Suspiria in a way, but less giallo. You know, if that makes sense. I think there's going to be less of the sort of things that make this a giallo. Uh, it's probably still going to have a very similar camera work because, again, this guy's Mario Bava's son. He's influenced, obviously, he's working with Dario Argento. So, like, he's probably got some, you know, like, heavy influence there. So there's probably going to be some influences there. But I'm interested to see what Lamberto Bava does with this. Um, and I think... You know, if he really sort of maybe leans into the crazy of like, you know, demonic either possession or just demons attacking people, maybe it's more like a zombie film. Who knows? I don't know where this is going to go, but I think you're right. As long as it's fun, um, I think I'm going to enjoy it. Like, that's the thing. As long as it doesn't drag on and be like, when are we going to get to the next scene with the demons? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care about this person. Get, give me demons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting yeah. it to be kind of a zombie-ish Maybe not technically zombies, but that kind of style. What I think it's going to be about, which should be interesting. Yeah, because um, who is it? Uh, what is it? Fulci, who did uh, Zombie and Zombie Two, I think. No, Hold yeah. on. Oh, Lucio Fulci. Yeah, he did uh, Zombie, um, which is sort of that early Italian. Um, you know, that was nineteen seventy nine. Uh, let's see, what else did he do? I don't think I've heard of that. Oh, it's a it's a fun zombie film. It, it's a it's a lot more sort of like it leans more into sort of like the um, the sort of Haitian voodoo mythos of zombies. It's actually oh. kind of a very fun zombie movie. It was it was honestly I think one of the first. I think I saw that before I saw George A. Romero's um, uh, not Dawn of the Dead, but Night of the Living Dead. Mm -hmm. It's uh, I would put it up there with it. Um, also, as far as zombie movies go, I. I hate to say it, but like George A. Romero, like after like Night of the Living Dead, like I think he probably should have just stopped because like even Zack Snyder did a better version of Dawn of the Dead than he did. <laughs> <laughs> Unpopular opinion, maybe, but like man did one good movie <laughs> and he gets way too much praise for it. Um, I don't know. That that's sort of my unpopular opinion. But yeah, he did um let's see Zombie which is 1979 and then I think he did I mean he did a ton of other movies before then. Um not a lot of them that I'd seen, but he he's like sort of that like stereotypical sort of Italian horror film director. Um mm -hmm. he did a movie called City of the Living Dead. He did a movie called let's see a, let's see what is it? A Lizard in a Woman's Skin which I think is also a giallo. Um, a more traditional one with a little bit of sci-fi elements, not sci-fi, but, um, maybe a little bit of, I haven't seen that one, but it's got a little bit of, uh, different stuff. And so he's sort of that straddling the line of like, I do giallos, I do horror and stuff, but he did a very traditional zombie film too. So, uh, Fulci runs in those circles. That was my point originally. It's a long winded way of saying it, but <laughs> Fulci runs in those circles of Bava and, um, and Argento. So I feel like if this is a zombie film, you know, it, you know, there could be some, some maybe, uh, zombie sort of influences there from Fulci. Mm -hmm. So 
anyway, that that's about all I got. I don't know. Do we? Do you have anything else you want to say before we rate this? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm ready to watch it. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely excited to watch it. I'm pumped. Um, on a scale of zero to five Snake Pliskins, where do you think you're gonna come down on this? I think I'm gonna just go for a three because it's, I'm not imagining it to be really great, but I think I'll like it. Yeah, I I don't know where I really stand on this one, just simply because Giallos are weird for me. I feel like Giallos, they're sort of a baseline where it's like, I haven't seen a bad one yet, but I haven't seen one that just really wowed me other than, like, I think Suspiria. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's questionably, like, not firmly in that Giallo genre. It's like, it's sort of like a Giallo meets, a, you know, um, this other sort of, like, macabre, weird Italian you know, demonic thing genre that whatever they got going on. I think this movie is probably going to be closer to that. So I feel like I'm probably going to like it. I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say a four out of five snake Pliskins. I don't, I don't know, but I, I'm just going to be hopeful. I hope you're right. Yeah. (laughs) I think realistically, I'm probably going to be closer to where you are with a three, um, maybe a 2.5 or a three somewhere in that range. It's probably, hopefully it's not going to be too slow. I feel like this movie's going to be just, I feel like it's going to be like a rip-roaring pace for some reason. And maybe if only for the soundtrack, because that's one other thing I'll look for, because Italians, they consistently have the best soundtracks for, of, of any, a, anybody ever. Um, I don't like to give the Italians too much credit more than they are due, but man, their soundtracks always slap. Mm-hmm. But I guess with that, uh, we'll go ahead and watch this and, you know, we'll see you on the other side unless you have anything else you want to add. Cool. See you on the other side then. The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons, sit near an exit. Otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons, and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals. And the cities will be your tomb. Will you survive it? Demons. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I am joined once again by Unmutual. How you doing? That is good to hear. We just got back from watching Demons from 1985, directed by Alamberto Bava. Uh, written by Dario Argento. I feel like I have to say it like that because it feels, I feel like I'm not being offensive enough to the Italians if I don't at least make a mockery of them. 
that's fair yeah anyway so what what are your thoughts on this movie i i have thoughts but i'm not really sure they're coherent there's just a lot of like little things i think that i'm just like what what is happening um <laughs> what yeah what did you think um well if this is uh his personal favorite i don't know what that says <laughs> that's <laughs> what i'm gonna say <laughs> Okay, so did you, I guess the impressions are, actually, you know what, let me let me go ahead and, I forgot to do this, and I've been forgetting to do this a lot, so keep me on task here, but previously in the first half, I rated this a tenant of four of five Snake Pliskins, and you gave this a tenant mm -hmm. of three of five Snake Pliskins, and I yeah. think basically our criteria was, one, it just doesn't need to suck, uh, it doesn't, ha you know, if it doesn't suck, then it's not going to suck. And two, if it's fun, it's going to be pretty good. I went back and forth on this one being like really between the whole camp of this is fun and entertaining and there's a lot of good like practical stuff going on and then back and forth to like what is even happening? Why are we doing the things we're doing? This is so silly. That's like exactly how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it seems like we're pretty much on the same page with this. Now, as far as liking it or disliking it i think i came down on the positive side of things but mostly just because for the most part like the story wasn't great it ended up being pretty much just a basic zombie film right am i crazy in that mm -hmm. uh, no that's what i thought it was yeah yeah instead of being like demons like no this is this is definitely closer to the whole like um i think we mentioned the first half uh lucio fulci zombie it felt more like that, but maybe like a little bit more, well, modern's not the right word, uh, 80s. <laughs> but it is modern compared to Lucio Fulci's Zombie, which I think was like mid-70s, early 70s, if I recall. I don't know because I am, I can't just look it up at my fingertips because for some reason IMDb is down for me. Um, fix your shit, IMDb. Right. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you seem like you're probably going to come down on more of the unfavorable side. What was the thing that you, I guess, what was the thing you liked the most and what was the thing you hated the most? I guess I'll put it that way. Um, well, I liked all the practical gross stuff. That was all pretty fun. Um, yeah, I, I agree. That was definitely, I think that's what carried it through for me was there's mm -hmm. a lot of good practical gore. And honestly, like when, when the first chick like transformed, it was just like, oh, this is really good. It it actually really impressed me how well done her like transformation and makeup was. It didn't really look cheesy. It looked kind of terrifying. Yeah, and I liked in that part where it was like you could hear what was happening in the movie, but you were mm -hmm. watching what was happening in her. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was a really well-paced movie, I think, up until that point. Because you, you kind of had... You had this weird sort of setup where it's like, you know, the traditional sort of, I guess, horror film setup of we're not really setting anything up. We're just introducing this person. They're going to go here for some inexplicable reason, and they're going to bring their friends. And that was kind of mm -hmm. the whole thing. And then yeah. you get there. There's this whole weird subplot about this, like, lady who's running the theater who I thought for sure was going to be involved. Did you think that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I kept waiting and like when is when is this gonna be revealed? 
Yeah, I was waiting for her to like take off the mask and be like, aha, I fooled you. Yeah. And then it never happened. Yeah, so I mean that was kind of a disappointment because it seemed like all the uh the setup was just an excuse to get to the zombie part. It didn't really matter that much. Yeah, I I agree. There really wasn't a lot of story. I mean, most of the story was actually told and I think probably the backstory was really told in the backdrop of the film within the film, right? That's all of the exposition that there was. Because otherwise mm -hmm. it was just these people are here in this theater and shit happens where these people turn into demon zombies. And the all the explanation is, is that there's essentially in the actual film within the film, it is, I guess like supposed to be um nostradamus's grave and they find this tome and then you know oh there's this really good scene where he pricks the guy in the film within the film pricks his face on the mask that they find in here and it's mm -hmm. a demon mask and they say if you put it on you're going to turn into a demon well first lady who turns into a demon in the actual theater does the same same thing gets the prick on her face that was all really well done you're right mm -hmm. up until that point i was like this is impressing the absolute hell out of me it was so good and then it just turned into kind of like a standard like they they dropped the ball on a lot of things right i i don't yeah, know like it, it just devolved from there i think right it was kind of like watching a bunch of uninteresting people do a bunch of things and that's kind of all it was for the for the rest of the movie yeah actually the most interesting person was literally the pimp yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, his backstory was probably, like, yeah, this guy's, like, he knows how to do shit. He, like, takes care of, like, dispatches one of these zombies with a good, with a switchblade. He seems like he takes control of the situation. Mm -hmm. And then he just dies. And yeah. then, sort of, I guess, I guess what I'll call him, it's, um, Budget Dolph Lundgren. Budget Italian Dolph Lundgren takes over, essentially. Uh, what's his name? George, I think, is the character's name. I can't remember anybody's name. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. It was very much because you had like kind of two Mary Sues. You had like the Mary, the main Mary Sue, mm -hmm. who was the the main girl who you were kind of like, oh, yeah, this is the final girl. This is who we're going to follow. You had her friend who she drags in unwilling, who's unwilling and doesn't really want to go, but is brought along anyway. She's obviously going to die. You had the other guy who was, you know, George's friend who was interested in the other girl, you're like, yeah, you know he's a red shirt. He's going to die, too. Like, those, it was all extraordinarily telegraphed. Um, and then also, too, they just had a, a weird amount of people in the movie where it was like, I don't... I never got a sense of how full or not full the theater was because it seemed like there was a million people, but then it also seemed like there were, like, ten. Right? Am I crazy? Uh, yeah. It's like, were there people elsewhere in the theater or they were all in there? Um, and then the uh, the punks, um, that was kind of, um, like, what was the point of them? Dude, uh, I don't know, because, so <laughs> I was, that, see, that's, that's what blew my mind about this whole thing, that was just like, why? Why is this? Because I thought, all right, they're just going back and forth to these scenes of these, like, weird punks, and then it's like, okay, are they here for a reason? Because you kept seeing scenes of them, like, where they're driving along mm -hmm. doing I thought they were actually just drinking Coke out of a can, but it turns out that the can of Coke was actually just full of actual cocaine. Mm -hmm. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty That was pretty good when that actually turned out. And I thought, like, you know the scene where 
there's like the one scene where he's like he's like taking the razor blade and like getting the coke off of her like nipple or whatever it is like that was just so weird and i'm like oh these guys are just here to be like weird nudity is that what this is because like none of the other characters were going to be like yeah you you gotta throw some nudity in this film because it's you know 1985 and it's a horror film you gotta have it like i'm like oh these are just shoehorned in there and then they finally like you you're like okay they're they're getting in right and they're running away from the cops all well and good and you think they're gonna break in and then the zombies are gonna get out well that does kind of happen but it's not like that they break in it's just that the zombie just opens the door and comes out yeah like <laughs> what they were completely superfluous to the entire situation yeah didn't like as soon as they went in they all pretty much died right away didn't they or very quickly. well they were they were wandering the hallway for like a good okay. 15 minutes until they all basically died like that's when um, because one of them, again, for some reason also had a gun and we're shooting at these zombies in there. And that's when everyone upstairs was like, oh, we're saved. We hear a singular gunshot. Let's unbarricade ourselves, which was also one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Trying to barricade the, the completely open room. I was like, why? Nobody had it. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was so dumb. It, and look, I, I get it. Like, a lot of times, like, these horror movies are meant to be, like, played on these, like, tropes of, like, all right, these dumb people are doing dumb things because mm-hmm. if they did smart things, it wouldn't further the plot along. I get that, but this was all, like, you know, oh, we hear one gunshot and we're saved. No, you're in a skeezy part of, like, East Germany or something. Like, there's there's skinhead punks around everywhere. Like, it's probably just a random-ass gunshot outside. Yeah. You know, you're not safe. You're literally going to get mugged, probably. Um, and I don't know. It it was it was a very well set up film, and then it just kind of dropped the ball in a sense of story. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it, it it was just insane. Like those punks had nothing to do with it. They I thought they were just like again. It was just there for like nudity and I guess product placement of Coca Cola. Because there was a weird, there was a weird shot there where it was like they showed the Coke can right away, and I'm like, is this just a product placement ad? Is that what yeah. this is? <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. I was like, there's a lot of Coke in this product yeah. placement. Yeah, and I think that that was meant to be maybe not necessarily product placement, but meant to be a a, a, a as Monty Python would say, a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. This is Coke. I think it was meant to meant to take you in that direction. Um, yeah, I mean that notwithstanding, I mean like the sort of like the the denouement of the film was actually kind of like pretty cool. Like the little like motorbike chase scene through the movie theater, <laughs> as unbelievable as it was, that was pretty cool. Like that, I will say that about it. Yeah, if you have a motorcycle and a katana, you're unstoppable. Oh yeah, no, it's. It's definitely that was the first thing I saw it like that I when I set, saw that I'm like oh this is the Chekhov gun they're going to ride the motorbike and they're going to kill demons with the katana like I thought and this is this is maybe just me like maybe the katana is like some sort of like the ancient weapon that can defeat these sort of like zombies or something like that and then like that's why they're all able to be killed with it easily I, and then again they just 
the the plot just completely dropped out of the whole thing of the floor and then it was like nope we're just we're just doing a whole like zombie movie now um yeah 28 days later sort of like we're running away from zombies and they're chasing us sort of stuff which again don't get me wrong i like 28 days later but i was hoping for more like backstory about actual demons and like oh we, there's like a curse and we have to stop it otherwise it's going to destroy the world sort of stuff never happened mm-hmm. never at all even yeah. fe- and, and that's the other thing the guy who's handing out the um the flyers what was his deal yeah he he completely disappeared until what you saw him one more time right yeah yeah at the very did end. you ever see him again no no yeah 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 so the guy who is handing out the 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 flyers, like, and he's the guy that you see in a lot of the promotional material and sometimes the posters, mm. depending on which one. He's the guy with the weird silvery face and like the weird eye. He is the one who's handing out the posters, and she's like, "Oh, you're dressed up in a costume for the movie," and he just doesn't answer, and he goes away, hands hands things over. He's clearly not a demon, otherwise he would be already infecting people out in public. Again, it's very tenuous, but then he shows up at the end after the main guy and the girl basically climb out of a hole in the roof that's made by a helicopter and oh yeah yeah and then he tries to like kill the guy and then they basically like nope they harpoon him in the back and then they put his face into rebar again cool practical effects but like who is this guy like why why is this a thing it it was just <laughs> it was just frustrating you know cuz it was so good for so long yeah. I don't know. I are are there like what was what was your favorite part about this? Like like let's 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 stop bashing on it for a second. And I think I think you already mentioned it, but were there cuz I mean the practical effects were great, but were there any other things you really just liked about this movie? Well, yeah, what I already talked about the when the first lady is changing. I think I thought that was really cool and creative the way they did that. It was definitely really good where it was sort of overlaid with the um and the 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 pacing and that was great uh where she was changing it was very well done i i like that too i think that was probably the best part of the movie like it was funny too because i was wondering how it was going to maintain its pacing because essentially like you get into the theater and they start watching the movie like relatively early on and you're like oh they're getting into this movie are we just gonna watch a movie within a movie and you kind of did (laughs) and then it moved along and it was great here's what i'll say when they were doing a more traditional score the music was really good but this is what i said in the first half like italian music in films is really good but they used a lot of like weirdly enough like popular music scores like i think they had like motley Crue and metallica or some shit in there and i'm like this really has taken me out of it, guys. Like, this hair metal is not <laughs> doing it for me. I wanted, like, some thumping. I wanted Goblin. That's what I wanted. I wanted Goblin from Suspiria is is what I wanted, honestly. Yeah. And I didn't get Seems it. Seems like I read that they did some of the music, didn't they? Um, I don't wanna... think that they did the music. They might have done, oh, like, okay. one track, but there was... Because I looked this okay. up originally, and actually, you know what? IMDb's working on my phone right now. I'm going to see if I can find out who did the actual soundtrack. So original music by Claudio Simonetti. He's very Italian. Oh, no, he's actually Brazilian. He was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Okay. He's known for doing the music for the editor from 2000 or from 2014 and Shaun of the Dead from 2004. 
what? So he was at least involved in in Shaun of the Dead, and he was involved in Suspiria, but I'm not 100% certain how. I think he did maybe the traditional score, and Goblin did the popular music stuff, so maybe... Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what it was. So he basically did the score and Goblin provided like the sort of backing popular music tracks, which didn't feel like popular music tracks because they're weird Italian rock music. So anyway, sorry, that was like a weird tangent. I just I just needed to figure out what it is. So yeah, he did do the music for Suspiria. Same guy. It's just no, he there was no Goblin involved. Instead, he wove in like Motley Crue and stuff, which I didn't like. (laughs) Otherwise, it was the music was great. Speaking of the music, yes, there was this weird part in the beginning where it had like in the hall of the mountain king, a little like piece of that, and I thought that was going to be referenced somehow. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I was like, is this a reference to M? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was, I was like, oh wait, where have I heard this before? And then I realized, no, yeah, it's in the hall of the mountain king, and I'm like all right, are they going to, like, tie in some sort of, like, weird mythology? Are they going to tie in, like, references, like you said, to M or, like, anything like that? And then, no, it just, they didn't, they didn't, they dropped the ball. That That's the name of this movie, right? It's literally just, they dropped the ball on a really yeah. cool movie. Yeah. Um, a lot of setups for things that could have happened, but didn't. Yeah, and I wonder if, like, they, because technically, this is clearly a, we leave it sort of in a almost a cliffhanger so that we can make a sequel movie because that's clearly the ending right and they, they obviously made demons too i think i know your answer to this and it's probably the same as mine but we discussed a lot about this movie potentially being a giallo was it a giallo no yeah definitive no right it's completely <laughs> not a giallo yeah i it mean was... there were a little bits of like i could get a little vibe of suspiria but they weren't the giallo parts <laughs> yeah i would i would firmly put suspiria in the like maybe like 60 40 camp of being like maybe like 60 percent mm, and you know no it's like 50 50 honestly suspiria has a lot of mystery mm-hmm. to it that you really don't get revealed until the end and there's a like a lot of mysterious killings but realistically yeah like suspiria is much more of a supernatural thriller but it's also a giallo. This was like, no, this is, mm-hmm. this is just like a proto twenty eight days later or something, right? That that's what this was. But I will say, and I think, and you can, maybe you can debate me on this. I don't know if I'm right or wrong here, but I actually think the movie within the movie was a giallo, because the movie within it, you knew who the killer was, right? But mm-hmm. at the same time, whenever they were showing it on screen, you would cut away. You would have basically a killer with a knife you wouldn't have demons ripping apart people's throats you'd have the killer with the knife in the shadows the the victims screaming and sort of you know running away from this mysterious figure i think that the movie within the movie was actually a giallo makes sense and i kind of want to see that one (laughs) i know there were certain points that i was like i'd kind of rather watch the movie within the movie yeah, at first it was like, no, this is like, this is kind of cringy. And then the more they got mm-hmm. into the lore of the movie within the movie, I'm like, oh no, this is really good. And then they, and then mm-hmm. they just left it. And they were like, no. Because there were just so many ways you could have taken this. You could have literally been like, no, we've taken a magic spell of, of this old, like, Nos, uh, um, Nostradamus book and put it 
into this film, the actual film itself, and that there's some way to stop it. Like, because I thought when they were like going into the projector booth, like they were gonna find like some sort of big clue to be like, no, this is how we stop it, guys. Mm -hmm. And then obviously they couldn't stop it, but then whoever gets out knows the secret to stopping the zombies, so they're important for demons too, right? Right, but but then when they get up there, they're they were like the movie is the uh like the evil thing but wasn't it the mask or was it a combination of i i'm still not sure at this point (laughs) because the movie's playing itself and i wasn't sure if it was like is that meant to be like a, a comment on like on like theaters not being run by real people anymore and automate automation taking over like is it a commentary on that or is it like no, like, this is, yeah, the movie's running itself. There's something weird and supernatural happening. Obviously, the mask was dri- the driving force here. Mm-hmm. And clearly somebody, I don't know. My my theory on this, and I don't know, maybe you can stop me here, is that essentially the lady who was running it, right, she was hired probably by, like, the guy to run this or whatever, like whoever was involved in this movie was either already dead or like drove themselves nuts or whatever. This was like some sort of like weird found film that they like essentially were playing. Right. And that was the whole shtick of it. This guy with the, with the sort of Chrome face is some sort of trickster spirit who knows and trying to cause chaos. And literally he is like setting all of these things in motion. Like I'm going to have this motion picture be made. Everyone dies. That's fine. I'm going to have it fall into the lap of this person who's restoring this theater. They're going to run it. It's going to seem like this person is doing some weird bad stuff. But no, I'm the big bad behind everything. And then that that's my like personal theory about what happened. I it, it Again, they dropped the ball on a lot of this, but that's kind of the vibe I get is that there's some sort of trickster entity behind this other demonic entity. Because like, that guy clearly wasn't a demon. But he was not mm-hmm. human. Yeah. Oh. This is weird. It's like there was no one else involved except him. Yeah, it was him and then the lady at the theater. Like, not even the cast. Like, it would it would have made so much more sense, like, if this was, like, a premiere or, like, a rescreening. Like, there would have been some mention of, oh, yeah, I've heard about, someone would have said, like, I've heard about this movie. It was Lost or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like, some sort of weird exposition. No, it just... It's like, nope, here's a movie. Demons. Now demons. Because I, I think it was stemming from the mask, but there there had to be some way to get these people in there. But, like, if you could have just, like, if you could have just, like, taken the mask and had somebody prick their face with it, like, don't you think, and that was the goal, wouldn't you think that you could have just done that as easily in a less theatrical way? Yeah, and how... How likely is it, unless there's some kind of supernatural force, like trying to get people to put on the mask, that someone would just happen to put it on? I guess there was some draw to it. Yeah, and that makes less, even less sense with how that like <laughs> silver masked person is like in the picture because he's clearly the driving force here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't you don't ever see like he shouldn't have gotten killed right he shouldn't have had any power to try to kill these people right he should have been like present but never able to kind of physically involve himself in things other than like something very light right because that's what 
trickster spirits do. They get their kicks from tricking people into doing things willingly. But in this case, like, no, like, yeah, he's tricked everyone. He's tricked people into putting on the mask and becoming demons. But then he tries to kill the guy. Like, what? Yeah, it would have been a lot more interesting (laughs) if he was just, like, always seen watching or something. Because yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the the part at the beginning where he was chasing her, that was good too. That was another part I liked, uh, which did feel a lot more Giallo-like. It did feel like that, where it was like you thought that was going to be a recurring theme. Like wherever she walked in this movie theater, she was going to start seeing this guy. And it's jump scares, like, you know, he's not there. He's not there. It's not real. And then she finally gets lulled into complacency. I'm just seeing things. And then it's him, but then it turns into a demon all of a sudden. Ha ha! And then the demons jump out. And it is revealed through inference that he is the one who's causing all of this. But he never really makes a physical appearance. Like, I again, like, I... There are so many ways you could have taken mm-hmm. this. That would have been so much better. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I, I... I don't really know where to go from here on this one. I... I think in general, there were a lot of cool scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think that Lamberto Bava is, at at least he's more, he's much more of a, maybe more of a visual storyteller. Uh, And and also, the more I'm kind of seeing, like, especially like more of Argento's later sort of movies, I'm not sure if Argento really is like, and and I don't know how much, because it says he wrote this, but he's not the only writer because Lamberto Bava did write some of it and there was somebody else who was credited as a writer here too. I'm not sure how much of it Argento actually was like involved in and, or if it was just like, I'm going to change, I'm going to proofread your script, change one or two things there, and then I'll put my name on it so you can get your break, right? Because this was Lamberto Bava's like first film. I feel like that was the case mm-hmm. because the more I see sort of like 80s and maybe 90s Argento, it seems it's really hit or miss to me, like more so than his earlier stuff. I haven't seen really more like recent Argento because I think he released a new film that came out like a few weeks ago. I think it's called uh, Ochali Neri, if I'm not mistaken, which I'm interested to see too. But... Um, I don't know how his, like, later stuff is, but I feel like his sort of middle-of-the-road stuff in the 80s and 90s is sort of, it gets too cheesy for me, versus, like, being more, like, giallo mystery stuff of, like, his earlier days and, like, Suspiria and stuff like that. I I don't know. I get the feeling that this movie is much more, like, it's less Argento and much more Lamberto Bava, and Lamberto Bava is just not really good at doing like a story and he's much better at doing like visual action things. Yeah. That that's that's my take on this. Is that yeah, Argento just put his name on it to help a buddy out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to help your son, I'm going to help your son out, Mario, uh get his career started. I'm going to put my name all over this shit because obviously you can't do it, Mario, because that's that looks like you're just helping your son out. <laughs> but if I do it, he gets a nice big break. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it seemed like. Yeah, um, I I don't know. So, what what was what was your? Is there anything that you have like that's a least favorite thing about this movie? I know we've talked a lot about like least favorite thing or a lot of like things that drove us nuts. Was there like one thing that you just absolutely hated? I mean, there's a bunch of little things that it wouldn't have taken that much. To make it better, and that's probably the most annoying thing that it could have been really cool or 
at least really fun and it was just kind of meh i think it was fun i just don't think it was i think it was a good it was a good flick but it wasn't a good film if that makes sense right mm-hmm. this yeah. this is a fun movie where it's like it's a i think it's a party movie right and i think that's why a lot of people sort of have this as a cult favorite and i'm noticing a trend the more i watch like more like movies of this era where they're like this is a cult movie right I think that there's a certain level of like cheesiness where it's like you get together with your friends and this movie is really, really great to watch with a group of people. I think that a lot of the cult movies like this, and again, I'll pick on one that I've done before that I absolutely hated, uh, which was um, The Lost Boys. I don't know what your feelings are on The Lost Boys, but I absolutely hated The Lost Boys. It would be a, and I saw it in a group of people. I hated the movie itself. But I think it was fun to watch with a group of people. And I think that's where Demons absolutely sort of finds its place. And I think that's why you have people having conventions at this, like, old theater that shut down. Because they had fun watching it with a group of friends. So they want to go there and have fun with friends again. They're trying to capture that lightning in a bottle. This movie is a fun popcorn horror flick. Where it's like, you want gore? You want somebody on a motorcycle with a katana? Like, that's how I would sell it. It's like, hey... Come over to my house, watch Demons. We'll have some, like, drinks. We'll have snacks. A bunch of people are going to come over, and we're going to watch a movie where there's a whole bunch of people that turn into basically pus-filled demons, and a guy kills them while riding on a motorbike in a katana in a theater. Like, that sounds great. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun time. I think that's the only way. The only way I'd want to watch this again is if it was with a group. I don't think I'd watch it again on my own. Oh, yeah. I would not watch this movie again on my own. Like, this is firmly, like, <laughs> if I could get, like, um, you know, a buddy or, you know, a few buddies together and, like, we can get this movie up on a projector. Like, all the kids are asleep. We throw this movie on. We have a bunch of beers. We only half pay attention to it. And, like, oh, there's, like, this really cool kill. And we're watching it, like, in a, you know, on a projector. Like, that would be fun. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna you're gonna have to miss me with this again. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my traditional question here of and I know that I think I'm I'm a little bit more on the positive side of this one. I think you're a little bit more on the negative. But I think we're coming out sort of somewhere in like the middle ground of like there were a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. Again, it was a lot of like you. I think you're right. There was a lot of little things that I just like you tweak it a little bit and it could be great but you leave it as is and it's disappointing. Is there anything that you would say like double feature this with to either like, this is the palate cleanser fun movie. This is the like, Oh, we're going to like have another movie that's like this, but better. Like this is the warm up movie. Like what, what, what are you doing here? Is there anything that, that comes to mind? I mean, I don't know if you would want another zombie movie, but, but I don't know what, would really go with this it's uh, like would you want something funny or something that's (laughs) better yeah Uh, i think you definitely want something that's maybe a little bit better and more coherent at least that has a better story i think that if this is a party movie i think you probably want something else that is maybe either if not another party movie this is the palate cleanser movie to me so maybe you start off the evening with, and I mentioned it before, maybe like 28 Days Later, which is a very <laughs> solid, visceral, 
scary, like just gory, horrific film. And then you follow it up with this. Like, it's a very good, like, yeah, you, you keep it in a zombie theme, but they're compl- they're wildly different films. Like, obviously one is, like, serious based on an infection. This one is, you get no answers and it's silly. Like, um, but both of them have good gore. Both of them have good effects. Like, you're seriously catering to, like, a group of people who, like, 100%. Oh, I hit the mic. You're catering to a group of people who 100% are like, yeah, they're gore hounds. They're having fun. Like, you're not inviting over, like, the dude who watches nothing but Marvel films to this, like, double feature. Um, because they are going to just be like, just from the, like, the amount of pus, you know, that's in <laughs> that's in this movie. There was a lot more. Honestly, there was almost as much pus as there was blood. Yeah, I think there might have been more. There might have been more. Also, yeah. <laughs> speaking of, I have to give and green ooze. Yeah, the green ooze. I have to give a shout out to Mary Sue's friend, the one with the curly black hair. Um, when she gets infected too, and her back splits open, and the little like demon comes out, like I was like, oh, here we go, we're getting an actual antagonist, and then you never see it again. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> It was like, what? Why? Why are you showing us this? It's cool, but like, make it have a point. Yeah, that was more like something that would be in the thing. Yeah, I was excited when that happened because I'm like, oh, they're actually going to tie it together now. Nope. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Are there are there any other movies that come to mind? Like I said, I, I I think I would keep this movie in a in sort of like a pigeonhole with another like better zombie film that's more serious. I could also see it going the way of like, um, ooh, maybe like Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell because there's a lot of like pus and vomit in that. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Ooh, so. that's a, that is the scariest. Se- I'm going to do a quick tangent here. Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell is one of the only two films that I actually f- like physically got sick and vomited at. And it was also one of the, it is also one of the two dates scariest PG-13 movies that I have ever seen. It is a terrifying <laughs> PG-13 film that will, if you have, if you have any aversion to vomit without, I'm not going to spoil anything, without any aversion to vomit, like if you have any aversion to vomit at all, like just be prepared, have a bucket like nearby. <laughs> Cause it, okay. it is, I will recommend it to you, uh, like wholeheartedly but with those caveats so i don't know do you have any thoughts on what you would actually like pair this with or like any other sort of thoughts in general about it the only thing i keep thinking about is one code of the dead but i don't know if it really would go that well i just love that movie it's like the best zombie movie (laughs) yeah i've um you've mentioned that before it's it is high on my list right now and i'm not sure if i want to do it for the show or if i just want to see that's my that is my this is my perpetual trouble with this show right is i've gotten Mm -hmm. back into a rhythm of watching movies at this point i watch about a movie a week on average because i put out an episode a week right and Mm -hmm. i really like getting back into the swing of watching movies but at the same time i feel like oh man if i watch a movie without doing it for the show it feels like a waste but at the same time, I have almost <laughs> 400 movies on my damn list. This podcast, if it goes for 400 episodes, I will, I will poop my pants. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I will. It's, it's just gonna happen. 
So I think I just need to start like watching films like here and there, like like the really weird like weird ones that are hard to find, like One Cut of the Dead or like like a lot of like weird kind of more indie films stuff like that, like just to kind of like have them in my mind. But I don't know, it, it's just weird, you know. I I like that call of just like you know, hey, let's throw something else that we really like on. <laughs> For me, again, it's the movie that kicked off my love of horror films. It's Twenty Eight Days Later. All right, cool. Let's watch that. Then we'll watch mm-hmm. Demons to round out the night when we're all getting sloppy drunk. Like, fun times, you know? One other thing. Question for you about this movie. So, why in the absolute ever-loving shit did the guy not turn into a zombie and the girl did? Because he clearly got, like, slashed all over his arm by one of the demons, right? It wasn't just something else. It was one of the demons, right? Uh, I think so. I, I don't know. <laughs> I was just perplexed because like, okay, they're, they're driving off into the sunset and then she turns into a demon and then the little kid shoots her in the face with a shotgun. Woof. <laughs> yeah, that was, oh yeah, that, that brings up like how fast this whole demon surge spread. Yeah, right? That was, uh, it's, that was it wild. Spread f- <laughs> and that's, I think, one of the subconscious reasons why I said like, no, let's put it with 28 days later because it spread faster than that fucking plague did mm-hmm. and all that you needed for that plague was like you just needed to like like put like you needed to have like any kind of small open wound and then get the infection like onto it that's all you needed like you get a little drop of blood in the eye a little bit of saliva here or there in your mouth like it just you're you're done you're done for you're you're gone and you change no this was like the whole city was gone and they're talking about like we're going to go out into the country where we can't where these things can't get us. I'm like, bitch, this started like two hours ago. <laughs> like, Maybe there's some kind of time vortex around the theater. You know that that could have been it. Maybe they've been there since like the movie like was created like ten years ago, and it's been like <laughs> a slow ten year spread. And these guys are just now getting out of the city, and like they get out, and it's like instead of like 1985, it's like 1999 or some shit. Mm-hmm. See, that would have been fun, like, to have, like, this weird, like, we're in a time loop. Like, what? We ha- No, yeah. no, no, Marty. We have to go back to the time loop into the theater to stop the spread of the plague and <laughs> demons, too. It's frustrating is yeah. what it was. It was fun, but frustrating. <laughs> yeah. That's what this movie was. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, do you have anything else or do you want to go ahead and rate this and then I guess we can get out of here? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered everything. Cool. Uh, well, on a scale of zero to five snake pluskins, what are you giving this? I keep going back and forth between a two and a 2.5, so I guess I'll do 2.25. There we go. 2.25. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, at least you're not Michael, who's like, I'm going to give it a 3.76832 repeating. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling you out, Michael. Um, I'm tired of your shit. I'm just kidding. I'm not. It's fun. No, I, I was really fluctuating. I think when I, well, before I sat down and I'm like, and I started talking to you, I'm like, no, this movie is a 3.5. That's what this is. This is a 3.5. And I think since I've talked to you, I think I've kind of talked this down a little bit. I think it's a three. I think it's just good enough to be able to watch. mm, You know what? No, it's a, it's a 2.75. I'm going to go the opposite way of you. It's a, it's you know, you're a 2.25, I'm a 2.75. This is just good enough to watch with a bunch of people because it has some really fun stuff in it. 
But I think on a whole, it's a frustrating film. I was very mm-hmm. frustrated watching this because I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, this would be great. I would love to see them go this way. I would love to see them go that way. And literally none of it happened. Here's a here's a quick little thought, and and I'll throw it out to you. And if you don't if you don't want to answer this, and I don't know that I have an answer either, if you could have this movie remade, who would who would remake it? What director's remaking this movie for you? Oh man, I mean, if we're sticking with trying to keep it gross and body horror, I mean David Cronenberg, but I don't I don't really I haven't watched a whole lot of more modern zombie movies that I can just name the director um, for something like this. Yeah, no, I, I like the Cronenberg call because then that really leans more in the body horror thing because there was there was a lot of body horror in this movie. Um, and and I, I, I feel like we downplayed that a lot, but there's like a lot of good things, like especially like, even though it happens very fast, like the scene like where, you know, the, the guy and his girlfriend are in the vents, that's kind of like a, a tense scene. And there's a lot of like again like the the little demon popping out of the back like the transformations was all good. I I think for me if I had to give an answer to that I think it would probably be Fetty Alvarez because he did such a good job on the Evil Dead remake that I trust him with like undead weird stuff that and he does like practical effects really well and I think he for the most part puts a good story together. I think I would I would. I would call on Fetty, but I do like the Cronenberg pick because you're leaning way more into the body horror in that. Two wildly different things, but I think that, yeah, that I think Fetty would probably make it a little bit more consistent and keep it closer to the original, but Cronenberg would be like, no, this is this is just going to get weird and body horror-ish, and like, you're still not going to get answers, but it's going to yeah. be like, <laughs> it's just going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get answers, but in a different way cool so uh i guess uh one i want to thank you for coming back on to the show i hope to have you on again in the future i very much appreciate you being here is there anything you would like to plug before you get out of here um i guess just my twitter i'm mutual citizen just your twitter cool a mutual citizen i will i will go ahead and put that in the show notes and also uh, i'll i'll plug something for you too um i recently and i haven't gotten them yet because they're still uh i believe you may have sent them out today i think i got an email for that um you have an etsy shop where you have some stickers at least right now you may have some more stuff in the future uh if you like mushrooms and or possums <laughs> then head on over there and grab a few stickers uh they're pretty cool stickers so i'm gonna i know i'm gonna put them on my on my refrigerator that's sitting right next to me here on my sticker refrigerator where I'm putting all of my old stickers where I'm like, I don't know what to do with these. I'm going to put them on my fridge. So thank you. Yeah. It's going to go right there. So go to our Etsy shop. Uh, I will also, I don't know if you still do stuff on your Redbubble if you're going to switch over to your Etsy, but I did buy some speaking of giallos, like in the first half, I did buy the giallo themed pattern pillows for my futon. They are a really good pattern i love them uh it's probably my favorite pattern that you've done uh, as far as like on that shop really good stuff too i'll try to throw a link in there if i can remember and then also uh make sure to use in checkout code mwns you won't get any money off but you'll she'll know who sent yeah, you there do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah do that anyway i guess with that said uh we'll see you next time And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself 
speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show that I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, you know, like that. Plus, plus, at the time. He was a monster, you know, like that. Plus, plus, at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license. <laughs>